This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. It's Tuesday, January 23rd, 2023. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. A make-or-break New Hampshire primary for Nikki Haley. Or do you want something new? I'm John Stolnitz. Court records unsealed in an alleged affair involving Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. I'm Clayton Neville. With Donald Trump soon to take the witness stand, COVID concerns by a juror forced a last-minute delay on Monday. Julie Walker, New York. The Supreme Court has granted an emergency appeal from the Biden administration over the southern border. Sagar Magani, Washington. Update on those Navy SEALs lost at sea. I'm Jessica Ettinger. On Wall Street, the S&P 500 index and the Dow each open at record highs this morning. I'm Jackie Quinn. More than 30,000 university professors have launched a week-long strike against the California State University. All ahead on America in the Morning. Today, voters in New Hampshire will head to the polls just a few days after former President Donald Trump scored a rousing victory in Iowa. Meantime, Nikki Haley's camp is hoping for an upset to keep her underdog campaign alive. Following the candidates on the campaign trail is our John Stolness. When you go out on Tuesday, you're going to decide, do you want more of the same or do you want something new? The former South Carolina governor and U.N. ambassador under Trump campaigning hard in the lead up to today's primary, trying to cut into Trump's lead. A week ago, some polls indicated that she had cut the deficit to single digits, but that was before Ron DeSantis's surprise withdrawal from the campaign over the weekend. Three new polls out show that Trump is ahead by 19, 22 and 27 points in a head to head matchup. Haley, though, still trying to convince voters it's time for a change. We can't have a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. In New Hampshire, independents can vote in either the GOP or Democratic primary. They make up roughly four in 10 voters there. And if Haley scores an upset, it will be due to their support. Former President Trump doing some last minute campaigning of his own in Laconia. The radical left Democrats are supporting Nikki. For one simple reason, because they know that she's very easy to beat. And you see that with the polls that just came out tonight. In the last couple days, Haley has been hitting him over comments in which she says he appeared confused, saying that she was responsible for security on January 6th, not House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Trump's surrogate and potential running mate, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, says the president was not confused. That isn't a mix-up. The reality is Nikki Haley... She wasn't speaker. Nikki Haley is relying on Democrats, just like Nancy Pelosi. Uh, to try to have a desperate showing in New York, in New Hampshire. Meanwhile, on the Democratic side, a robocall using a fake computer-generated voice of Joe Biden urging Democrats to stay home today and not vote for him in the Democratic primary. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. No one has claimed responsibility for the fake robocalls. Biden supporters say this is clear election interference. State officials are launching an investigation. I'm John Stolness. A Georgia judge unsealed a divorce case Monday tied to the Fulton County District Attorney who's pursuing charges against former President Trump. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports. 
The divorce involves Nathan Wade. He's a lawyer hired by Fulton County, Georgia DA Fonnie Willis to manage her election interference case against former President Donald Trump and his allies. It was just weeks ago that a former Trump campaign official, who's also a co-defendant in the case, accused Willis and Wade of being in a romantic relationship. Willis was subpoenaed to testify in the case, but hasn't yet. During this week's hearing, the judge unsealed the case, allowing records surrounding the alleged affair to be made public. Well, I'll tell you what, Mr. Axon, let me interrupt you. Let me yes. ask you just to focus on the part of the law that says um, the proposed opponent lacks unique personal knowledge of any matter that's relevant. Are you saying that uh, your client lacks unique personal knowledge that could not be discovered some other way. A recent filing in the divorce case included credit card statements showing that Wade bought airline tickets for himself and Willis for trips to San Francisco and to Miami. The alleged affair is expected to potentially impact Willis's case against Trump, who's already commenting on the alleged affair. In a social media post, he said, quote, the lovers knew I did nothing wrong, that the phone calls were perfect. That in reference to phone calls Trump had with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger in 2020 when he was heard asking Raffensperger to find him more votes. I'm Clayton Neville. With Trump expected to take the witness stand in his sex abuse defamation trial, COVID concerns by a juror and a lawyer forced a last-minute delay. As correspondent Julie Walker reports, the former president's defamation trial involving E. Jean Carroll will be revisited today. Donald Trump was already in court, having left Trump Tower amid a few protesters. E. Jean Carroll was also there, arriving to supporters. But just before 10 a.m., the judge sent a juror home to take a COVID test after he got sick. The court now awaiting COVID results on all jurors after one man was sent home sick. Trump was already in court. His lawyer, Alina Haba, agreeing to the delay, also telling the judge she didn't feel well but tested negative for COVID along with her law partner. Both were exposed by one of her parents. Trump's team wants to delay his testimony until he returns from Tuesday's New Hampshire primary. But a lawyer for E. Jean Carroll, who was also in court, wants the case to go on. The judge not committing either way. Last year, a jury found Trump sexually assaulted Carroll in the 90s and defamed her, awarding her $5 million. This jury is deciding on any additional defamation damages. Julie Walker, New York. When we return on America in the Morning, nation's high court sides with Biden on the southern border after these messages. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast. 
part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Slick spots on roadways around the Great Lakes today will hamper travel this Tuesday. Welcome back here with America in the Morning and AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson with today's forecast. A large portion of the nation will be dealing with at least some sort of precipitation today that could result in slower travel and delays. An icy mix will lead to slippery roads and sidewalks from northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin, eastward across Michigan and into upstate New York, including Detroit, Chicago, and Buffalo. There can be some icy spots this morning across northern parts of Indiana, Ohio, and Pennsylvania before a changeover to plain rain this afternoon. Some light rain will move into New York City today, but it'll be just cold enough north of the city across the Hudson Valley into southeastern New England for pockets of freezing rain, which can lead to icy spots through the evening commute. Snow moving into Boston tonight can accumulate a couple of inches. For those heading out to the New Hampshire primary, snow flurries may sneak into the southern half of the state this afternoon, while the northern half of the state stays dry. Highs will be in the 30s. Meanwhile, rain will damp in the lower Ohio Valley southward through the mid and lower Mississippi Valley with rounds of heavier rain and thunderstorms over eastern Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas, which may lead to localized flooding. Lighter showers will dot parts of the Carolinas, Georgia, and into northern Florida. The wet weather will extend back through New Mexico and Arizona with pockets of rain with several inches of snow around Flagstaff. Showers of rain and mountain snow will fall over Idaho, Nevada, and Utah. Meanwhile, the Pacific Northwest will begin to dry out today after some lingering morning showers. Most of California will also be dry with clouds and sunshine throughout today and highs in the 60s for the most part. The northern and central plains will have cloudy skies, but also dry weather throughout the day. And that's the weather across America. In Washington, D.C. today, mostly cloudy, high 44. Meanwhile, in Houston, rain and heavier thunderstorms with a high near 70. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. In a surprise to Texas, the Supreme Court has granted an emergency appeal from the Biden administration over the southern border. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports on its ramifications. A divided 5-4 court will let Border Patrol agents cut razor wire Texas installed along roughly 30 miles of the Rio Grande. The wire's been part of a growing standoff at the border with Texas Governor Greg Abbott, with state officials saying agents cut the wire to help groups cross the river illegally. The administration argues the wire gets in the way of agents reaching migrants as they cross the river. It asked the high court to step in after a federal appeals panel last month stopped agents from cutting the wire. The high court says the cutting can continue while a lawsuit plays out. Sagar Magani, Washington. The Defense Department identified on Monday night the two Navy SEALs who were lost at sea and died this month during a nighttime commando raid on a small ship carrying weapons components bound for Yemen. Special Operator First Class Christopher J. Chambers, age 37, and Special Operator Second Class Nathan Gage Ingram, age 27, were lost on January 11th when SEALs in two combat speedboats shadowed by helicopters and drones boarded a small cargo ship in the Arabian Sea. One of the sailors fell into the waters due to the rough seas and another jumped in to try and rescue him. They were assigned to SEAL Team 3 based in Coronado, California. When we return on America in the Morning, department store chain Macy's says no to a takeover and the disappearing IPO after these messages. 
America in the Morning continues. Hold on to your shopping bag. Macy's is saying no to a takeover for at least now. Over the weekend, Ark House Management and Brigade Capital made an unsolicited offer to buy the shares it didn't already own. But the retailer said the price wasn't good enough. Macy's has not reached out to any other potential buyers, but their CEO said the company's open to opportunities that would be in the best interest of the retailer and its shareholders. The offer came as Macy's stock has dropped by about a third in five years and last week said it would eliminate over 2,300 jobs. After a record-setting Monday on Wall Street, here's CNBC's Jessica Ettinger with Tuesday Business. Wall Street opens this morning after the Dow hit 38,000 for the first time. It and the S&P 500 index each opened today at fresh all-time highs. A new record high in the S&P 500, especially after a long drought, and this one has been over two years, is generally more a show of strength that should continue as opposed to a warning sign that a top is likely in. CNBC's Mike Santoli, companies whose shares hit fresh all-time highs yesterday include Microsoft, McDonald's, and Costco. I think the market is priced to perfection right now. I mean, we just hit all-time highs today. I'm a little worried. Valuations are a little bit stretched, so things are priced to perfection. So any mm. kind of here. any kind of shocks could cause some pretty big pullbacks here. Rockefeller Global Family Office's Cheryl Young on CNBC. Business sentiment is getting a lot better. Last week, consumer sentiment rose in the University of Michigan survey. It was the biggest one-month surge since 2005. And now the latest from the business community looks really strong, too. There looks to be a rash of optimism breaking out over the economy among both businesses and consumers. The latest survey from the National Association for Business Economics finds the three-month outlook for sales, profit, and CapEx surging. And fewer businesses expect to charge higher prices. That's a good uh, outcome there. Likely driving business sentiment are the same factors that are leading to a more upbeat consumer. You got lower inflation, higher stock prices, and the prospect that recession may have been avoided while the Fed could soon be cutting interest rates. CNBC senior economics reporter Steve Leesman. The Southwest Airlines pilots have ratified their new contract with the airline, according to the Pilots Union. IPOs are down. We're not hearing about a lot of new companies forming. You know, it's been an IPO dry spell. Initial public offerings, they give investors who like to be first in on a new public company something to look forward to. Here are some names that you know that may want to sell you stock soon. A number of companies have filed to go public with the SEC, some of them confidentially, including social forum network Reddit, Canned fruit maker Del Monte, restaurant chain Panera Bread, online ticket marketplace SeatGeek, Chinese fast fashion retailer Sheen. The list of potential IPO candidates they haven't filed, but they're out there, include payments firm Stripe, buy now, pay later service provider Klarna, some smaller companies with public brand recognition like canned water company Liquid Death, you know them, Kim Kardashian's shapewear brand, that's called Skims. We'll just have to see if it starts opening up. CNBC's Bob Pisani. On today's watch list, we get earnings from Johnson & Johnson, Netflix, 3M, Procter & Gamble, GE, and Verizon. Royal Caribbean reveals its new icon of the seas ship. Hollywood executives waiting for the Academy Award nominations to come this morning. CNBC's Jessica Edinger. When we return on America in the Morning, professors on strike, tens of thousands of them, when America in the Morning returns after these messages.
America in the Morning continues. The National Transportation Safety Board is looking into the crash of an air ambulance in Oklahoma that left three crew members dead. Correspondent Jennifer King has the latest. Air Evac Life Team updated their social media profile with a black ribbon after confirming that three crew members perished in the crash of a Bell 206L3 helicopter near Weatherford, Oklahoma. The company helped local law enforcement with the search and has turned over the investigation to the National Transportation Safety Board. Officials say the crew was returning to base after completing a patient transport to Oklahoma City and lost contact with the control center shortly before 11.30 p.m. on Saturday night. I'm Jennifer King. Classes are on hold after more than 30,000 professors and support staff have launched a week-long strike against the California State University system. Correspondent Jackie Quinn reports. Instructors, librarians, plumbers, and other members of the California Faculty Association have walked off the job for a week on this first day of the spring semester. They're demanding higher wages, more manageable workloads, and increased parental leave. Just like they did last month during a one-day walkout. The university workers are rejecting the chancellor's offer of a 5% raise, which is far below the 12% the union's seeking. Workers say the school could tap emergency reserve accounts to pay for the salary increases. But administrators say they cannot use those funds. I'm Jackie Quinn. America in the Morning for Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout on the Westwood One Radio Network. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour, questionable robocalls to New Hampshire residents, then... The U.S. and British militaries have teamed up again to bomb sites in Yemen used by Houthis. Sagar Megani, Washington. The youngest son of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., dead at 62. I'm Clayton Neville. Relief is on its way for many New Yorkers who struggle with medical debt as New York City announces a plan to erase it. I'm Sue Aller. Federal officials are recommending that airlines inspect door plugs on some older Boeing jets as well. I'm Norman Hall. Film director Norman Jewison has died at the age of 97. I'm Archie Zaroleta with a look at his career. Back after these messages. Welcome back. You're with America in the Morning. Many of us would not mind a little burst of springtime air, and that's what AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson has for us in the forecast. Much of the Midwest, Great Lakes, and interior northeast will be dealing with an icy mix today as milder spring-like air tries to overrun these same areas, dealing with bitterly cold temperatures recently. This is especially true from northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin, eastward across Michigan and into upstate New York. An icy mix of sleet and freezing rain in these areas, including Detroit, Chicago, and Buffalo, will lead to slippery roads and sidewalks and likely travel delays. 
There can be some icy spots this morning across northern parts of Indiana, Ohio, and Pennsylvania before a changeover to plain rain this afternoon. Some light rain will move into the New York City area today, but it'll be just cold enough north of the city across the Hudson Valley into southeastern New England for pockets of freezing rain, which can lead to icy spots. Boston will have an icy mix later this afternoon. That will change over to snow tonight and accumulate a couple of inches. For those heading out to the New Hampshire primary, snow flurries may sneak into the southern half of the state this afternoon, while much of the northern half of the state stays dry. Highs will be in the 30s. The northern and central plains will have cloudy but dry weather with highs in the 20s across the north and 30s further south. While the lower Ohio Valley southward to the mid and lower Mississippi Valley will have rain today with rounds of heavier rain and thunderstorms over eastern Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas, which may lead to localized flooding. Lighter showers will dot parts of the Carolinas, Georgia, and into northern Florida. Rain will also fall across New Mexico and Arizona, while higher elevations like Flagstaff will have several inches of snow. Showers of rain and mountain snow will fall over Idaho, Nevada, and Utah. The Pacific Northwest will begin to dry out today after some lingering morning showers. Most of California will also dry out with highs in the 60s. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Remember to follow us everywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. Today's the day that voters in the Granite State go to the polls for the GOP's first primary. Both Nikki Haley and Donald Trump held events to rally voters. The final polls of the New Hampshire Republican primary had Trump ahead of Haley with a double-digit advantage. And supporters of Ron DeSantis, who dropped out of the race on Sunday, were choosing the former president by a two-to-one margin. In another blow to Haley, two congressional members of her home state, South Carolina, Congresswoman Nancy Mace and Senator Tim Scott are both endorsing Trump. A robocall that appears to be an AI voice resembling President Biden was urging Republicans not to vote in today's primary. While the tracking data shows it made a large volume of calls, it's unclear exactly who's behind it. The U.S. and British militaries have teamed up again to bomb sites in Yemen used by the Houthis. As Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports, the action was in an effort to stop the Iranian-backed group from attacking commercial ships in the vital Red Sea and Gulf of Aden waterways. We have a choice to keep defending our ships and our sailors and merchant traffic, and we have a choice when we have the information available to us to preempt their ability to conduct those attacks, and we'll continue to do that. It's the second time the two allies have carried out strikes in 10 days on the Iranian-backed rebels' missile launching capabilities amid months of Houthi attacks on commercial ships in the region's waters. Several officials say U.S. and U.K. warships, subs, and fighter jets took out Houthi missile storage sites and launchers. Clearly, they talked about uh, what's going on in the in the Red Sea uh, and the need for a continued international multilateral approach uh, to disrupting and degrading uh, Houthi capabilities. Speaking before word of the latest strikes. If you're going to scrap with somebody um, and you can find a way to tie one or both of their hands behind their back, that's not de-escalating or that's not escalating, that's de-escalating. That's taking ability away from the other party. Uh, to uh, to inflict harm. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the strikes have degraded Houthi capabilities, but the chaotic wave of attacks and reprisals suggest the strikes have not deterred the Houthis and that the broader regional war the U.S. is trying to avoid is becoming closer to reality. It doesn't mean that they don't still have offensive capability available to them. Clearly they do because they continue to, to use it. And as the president said, as long as they continue to make that choice, 
choice, we have a choice too. Sagar Megani, Washington. Also from the Middle East, the leaders of Hamas, who are based in Qatar, have rejected an Arab nation proposal, saying that they're against a two-state solution if one of those states is Israel. In Gaza, Palestinians displaced by intense fighting in a Hamas stronghold are now heading toward a town near the Egyptian border. As correspondent Charles de Ledesma reports, this comes as relatives of the more than 130 Israeli hostages held by the terror group stormed a parliament committee meeting to demand action on captives. Thousands flee from the southern Gaza city of Khan Yunus on Monday as the Israeli military expands ground operations into the region. Most are heading for Rafah near the border with Egypt, with some driving vehicles laden with baggage, while others simply walk with no possessions. One of the displaced, Ahmed Shurab, says, Where do we go? This is the 17th time I've left my home. Should I go to Rafah? Rafah's all one street. What do they want from us? Do they want us to be 2.4 million in an area that cannot be more than one kilometer? That's less than a mile. Meanwhile, representatives of the Arab League meet for an emergency meeting over the war in Gaza and the humanitarian crisis unfolding in the region. We demand that the government do its part, bring a deal, get the deal done, and bring home the remaining hostages alive. Dozens of family members of hostages held by Hamas in Gaza rushed into a finance committee meeting at Israel's parliament on Monday, yelling, you won't sit here while they're dying there. On Sunday night, family members set up a protest tent in Jerusalem and vowed to stay there until the government reaches a deal to free some hostages. We are demanding that they fix the failure from the 7th and that can only start with returning all of the hostages alive. Bringing home 136 hostages in bags can never be considered any part of a victory. The relatives of hostages have accelerated their protests in recent days, demanding the government does more to get their loved ones released. I'm Charles Dilatesma. The youngest son of the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has passed away. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports. Dexter Scott King was 62 years old. His family says he died Sunday in California after a battle with prostate cancer. In a statement, Martin Luther King III said he's deeply saddened over his brother's death and described the sudden shock as devastating. Dexter King was an advocate for his father's legacy. I think that the greatest gift that we could give him would be a gift of love, a gift of peace, a gift of unity. Atlanta journalist Ernie Suggs has covered the King family for years and spoke with CBS News. I always found him as a very in in intelligent, smart, caring person who, des who, who diligently protected his family's name, protected his family's image. He got a lot of criticism for that, but I, you know, he was the he was the gatekeeper to make sure that his family's image and his father, particularly, and his mother. Uh, that their image was protected and that their image was uh, carried forth to carry forth his legacy. Dexter King was president of the King Estate and he served as chairman of the King Center. He's said to have been named after a church where his father was pastor in Montgomery, Alabama in the 1950s. That church, the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. I'm Clayton Neville. 
President Biden's push for abortion rights, and federal officials respond to the Alaska Airlines incident. Those stories and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Thanks for listening. You're with America in the Morning. I'm John Trout. New York City officials and a nonprofit are teaming up to wipe out $2 billion in medical debt hanging over the heads of a half million New Yorkers as part of what the mayor is calling a life-changing initiative. Sue Aller has details. It's a tough decision. Go to the doctor or buy groceries, a quandary that millions of New Yorkers face every day. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says he has a plan to help those in need. He announced that the city will work with a nonprofit called RIP Medical Debt. The program will wipe out debt for up to a half a million New Yorkers. According to the plan, there is no application process. Allison Sesso, president and CEO of RIP Medical Debt, says the program is slated to erase more than $2 billion in debt over the next several years. We identify everyone that's 400 percent of poverty or below or if the debt is 5 percent or more of their income and then we relieve those debts. The organization buys medical debt for pennies on the dollar in bulk from hospitals and debt collectors. Drew Mahalik was hurt last year when he slipped on the ice and hit his head. It's such an enormous relief to know that my medical debt, which I received due to no fault of my own, is no longer dragging behind me like a ball and chain. New York City Department of Health Commissioner Dr. Ashwin Vassan says people with medical debt struggle. The evidence is clear that people who struggle with medical debt or to pay their health care bills are sicker, more likely to have high blood pressure, worsen mental health, and shorter life expectancy. In New York, I'm Sue Aller. The Biden administration is making a renewed push for abortion rights in this election year with Vice President Kamala Harris touring the nation, becoming the face of their fight. Correspondent Jackie Quinn reports. This is the 51st anniversary of Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion in all 50 states overturned in 2022. Vice President Kamala Harris, a year after that, warned more restrictions were coming. Extremist Republicans in Congress have proposed to ban abortion nationwide nationwide but i have news for them we're not having that she and president biden are holding a series of events this week introducing new measures to strengthen access to contraception and to emergency abortion care in states where that's banned abortion rights are a key issue in the 2024 election for nearly 50 years roe v wade protected a woman's right to make decisions about her own body and her own life Then the highest court in our land took a constitutional right that had been recognized from the people of America, from the women of America. And understand what the Supreme Court took, the United States Congress can put back in place. The Republican frontrunner Donald Trump proclaiming, I'm proud to be the most pro-life president in American history. After his three Supreme Court appointees changed the balance of the court. I'm Jackie Quinn. 
The suspect in the killings of eight people in Joliet, Illinois, has taken his own life after being tracked down by U.S. Marshals in Texas. Police report 23-year-old Romeo Nance shot himself when the Marshals moved in on him. Police say a total of eight people were shot and killed in two Illinois homes, allegedly by Nance. Seven of the dead were related, but it's unclear how or if they knew the killer. Federal officials are recommending that airlines inspect door plugs on some older Boeing jets following the January 5th midair emergency on Alaska Airlines when an exit door suddenly fell off in flight. Here's the latest on the story from correspondent Norman Hall. The Federal Aviation Administration recommends that airlines inspect the door plugs on certain Boeing 737s that are older than the MAX 9 jetliner that suffered a blowout of a similar panel during a flight this month. The FAA said door plugs on one older version of the 737, called the 737-900ER, are identical in design to those on the MAX 9, and some airlines have noted findings with bolts during the maintenance inspections. The FAA issued a safety alert late Sunday. As soon as possible, airlines should visually inspect four places where a bolt, nut, and pin secure the door plug to the plane. I Norman Hall. Russian-sponsored spying is nothing new in the corporate tech sector, but this time the target seems to have been Microsoft executives. Here's Chuck Palm with that in today's tech news. Microsoft announced on Friday that a Russian state-sponsored group hacked into their computer systems on January 12th and stole some emails and documents from staff accounts. The company said a Russian group was able to access a very small percentage of Microsoft corporate email accounts, including members of its senior leadership team and employees in cybersecurity, legal, and other functions. Microsoft also said the attack was not a result of a vulnerability in Microsoft products or services, and that there has been no evidence they've had access to customer environments, production systems, source code, or AI systems. Microsoft blames Russian hackers called Midnight Blizzard, also known as Nobelium, because they are famous for sophisticated attacks such as Microsoft and the U.S. government, and they believe to be linked to the Russian Foreign Intelligence Service. The password spray attack is defined as hitting multiple mail accounts with previously compromised passwords. Leave a comment at allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. Tuesday Sports on America in the Morning. Here's Robert Workman. Joel Embiid set a new single-game scoring record for the 76ers last night, pouring in 70 points in their 133-123 win over the Spurs. That beats the old record set in 1967 by Will Chamberlain of 68. The Big Dipper's NBA record 100-point game came for the Philadelphia Warriors in 1962. You know, as far as, you know, everything, I mean, the history of this league and basketball in general. So uh, to be in the, you know, same conversation, I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty... It's pretty cool. Embiid also grabbed a career-high 18 rebounds. Meantime, in Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns set a new Timberwolves mark with 62 points. But they blew an 18-point lead late and lost to the Hornets. Suns got 43 from Kevin Durant, including the game-winning jumper with two seconds left. They shaded the Bulls for their sixth win in a row. Cavaliers clobbered the Magic for their eighth straight. Bucks shot down the Pistons, Giannis Adetokounmpo, 31 points and a triple-double. Wins for the Celtics, Kings, and Grizzlies. NHL, the Canucks blanked the Blackhawks 2-0. Thatcher Demko with 31 saves. Vancouver 
leads the league with 32 wins and 68 points. Bruins grounded the Jets 4-1 in a matchup of division leaders. Tyler Toffoli's hat trick included the overtime winner as the Devils edged the Golden Knights. Panthers, Coyotes, and Sharks came out on top. College basketball, new polls, Connecticut and Purdue remain 1-2 in the AP and coaches surveys. Last night, R.J. Davis had a career-high 36 points to lead number 3 North Carolina to a rout of Wake Forest. And defending U.S. Open champion Coco Gauff has advanced to the semifinals at the Australian Open. That's Tuesday Sports. Thank you, sir. Movie stinkers, the Razzies, when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Back on America in the Morning, film director Norman Jewison, who won 12 Academy Awards and brought films about religion and justice and political and social issues, including In the Heat of the Night, Fiddler on the Roof, The Hurricane, Jesus Christ Superstar, and Moonstruck to the big screen, has died at the age of 97. Entertainment correspondent Margie Zaroleta has a look at his career. They call me Mr. Tibbs. A common theme of Norman Jewison's films was racial injustice, as he tackled in the 1967 film In the Heat of the Night. He had hitchhiked through the American South after his military service in World War II and saw segregation up close. Jewison also directed The Hurricane in A Soldier's Story with Denzel Washington. He had planned to direct a film about Malcolm X until Spike Lee and others objected to a white director making it. Are you drunk? No, are you drunk? No, but I have a hangover. Jewison also made lighter movies like Moonstruck and The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, as well as Fiddler on the Roof. I'm Archie Zaroleta. It's award season. You've seen some of the nominations for the best of 2023. And how about the worst? Here's Kevin Carr with more on this year's Razzies. While many movie fans are buzzing about this morning's Oscar nominations, some are looking at the other side of the coin, the Golden Raspberry Awards. Good to be back. The Expendables 4 tops, or rather bottoms out, the list with seven nominations, including Worst Picture. Enjoy the show! Other notable nominations for the film include Scott Waugh for Worst Director and Supporting Actor noms for Sylvester Stallone and Megan Fox. You're welcome! God, play trick on you. The resurrected horror franchise The Exorcist Believer and the topical public domain exploitation film Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey each earned five nominations, including Worst Picture. Why are you doing this, please? Megan Fox received a second nomination for Johnny and Clyde. Additional nominees for movie stars include Russell Crowe for The Pope's Exorcist, Salma Hayek for Magic Mike's Last Dance, and Vin Diesel for Fast X. You will never be able to break my family. Other films receiving multiple Razzie nominations include Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I'm an idiot. Ant-Man and the Wasp! Quantum Mania. It isn't what you think. And The Meg 2. This was a bad idea. Just a little bit. All of which are up for worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel. The winners, or more appropriately losers, of the 44th annual Razzies will be announced on Oscar Eve, Saturday, March 9th. For a full list of nominees, visit Razzies.com. I'm Kevin Carr. America in the Morning for Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.